Thank you, Stephen, Emily. I'm so scared to at night with all of this technical stuff. I yielded to peer pressure and have actually, with the help of many others, put together a PowerPoint. But you know how fear will just paralyze you. You become full of anxiety and worry. And be, be honest with you, between there and here, I've forgotten what the topic is tonight. It's good to be with you uh, this evening, and of course that is uh, the topic, putting off um, anxiety, um, worry, and fear. For the purposes of uh, the message tonight, we're going to use those words interchangeably. They certainly mean slightly different things, really the degree to which uh, fear um, attacks us and perhaps overtakes us, but for the sake of uh, clarity this evening and also uh, brevity, um, we'll use all three of those as one. And as we go into this evening, uh, each one of these switch topics that you've had, uh, the outworking is really the same. The, uh, the specific um, lies that we're believing and the switch that we need to make to stop believing the lie and putting on the truth, those specifics are different, but the process is the same. So we're hoping that you're getting that over and over and over again. When, when we're struggling in an area, whether we recognize it or not, we're believing a lie. And we're, um, we're trusting in ourself in some way or some system as opposed to the grace of God and um, the promises that he is giving to us. So we need to switch, stop believing the lie, and put on the truth and walk in the truth. And um, I've thought a great deal tonight about how to lay this uh, out um, and, and wanting to be the most helpful. And so the way I'm going to do it is that I, I first want to give us a vision, if you would. I think everybody here will look at a little bit um, about fear or anxiety or worry, but the... Um, uh, the end goal is that we want to experience God's peace in every situation. That is the will of God. When, when we are in heaven, when um, we are captured up out of here to ever be with him, every experience will be full of tranquil peace of the soul. And, and God wants for the believer, us to experience heaven on earth here. That's even part of the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's part of our, our model prayer that that, um, that which is in heaven, there would be some of that here on earth in me as I walk in the peace of God in every situation. So I want that to be our motivation. So tonight we're going to look at what is it, some reminders, so we see them flash before us of the fear that we're to put off. What is that lie that we're tempted uh, to believe? And then I want you to have that motivation, and we'll, we'll go through those rather quickly. You won't, you won't have time to write all this down, and um, Debbie will show me how, but if you want a copy of this PowerPoint, um, we will take and send it to you electronically. And if you just want it like um, the old-fashioned way, we can, we can do that too. So I'm more important that you get the heart of the message than everything that I put down here. When I get right to the end, we'll, we'll give you three practical steps um, to put on that I think would be the place where you would perhaps want to take the notes if you were going to take any this evening. So I just thought I would uh, share that with you. So that's, that's where we're going um, this evening. So let me start with a resource. 
several years ago, um, battling anxiety, worry, and fear myself, um, I did the old um, Google search and read all the reviews, and nothing was rated any higher than this simple little book by John MacArthur, Anxious for Nothing. I've had Carol um, order extra ones, and she has them in the book room, uh, book nook for you, and you can buy one. They're, they're under $15, I believe. I don't, I don't actually know what the price is. But this is an amazing resource. Um, Dr. MacArthur is taking every um, primary text in the, in the New Testament that deals with this topic and done an exposition on it for you and then written it out for you so that you can understand it. And then he has taken and he's put together discussion questions. So whether you're doing it for a Bible study for yourself, for your family, for family devotions, husband and wife as they're dealing together, or, or even in your neighborhood, all that is there for you. And then he has an appendix at the end, Psalms for the anxious. And so then uh, he has all those listed in order. Uh, just a tremendous resource. A lot of what you'll hear this evening um, came from this book, but I wanted to uh, encourage you to um, consider getting that if uh, this is something that is uh, a need in your life. So we're, um, we're thinking about uh, this whole topic of, of worry and, and fear and anxiety, and, and I'm wondering to myself, so where are you in that? If I could just be alone with you for a few minutes and, and said to you, so, um, you know, is, is this an area you struggle with? Or is this an area that you, uh, you walk in um, continual victory? I mean, what would describe you most? Are you, a, are you a what if? Or are you what? Me worry? I, I mean, I got to tell you that when I was younger, I, I would say I was the what? Me worry? And, and I don't know if it was ignorance or arrogance, but I would have told you I'm not afraid of anything. Uh, can I say this tongue-in-cheek? Except for Tom Farrell. Um, <clears throat> those of you that have been here long enough know what I mean by that. But, um, but, but other than that, I, I just didn't have any fears. And, and the older I have gotten, um, it, it seems like um, the more that has been a struggle with me and more that it's been a battle with me, and I, I came to that point, and that's sort of what I want to share tonight, my my journey, I, no long, I, I, I haven't arrived, but this is a battle that, that I'm facing, and it seems like I think of maturity. When I think of maturity, Christian maturity, as, as I grow in the faith, I want to be a man that's an example, not a, not a man that um, is, uh, is, is crumbling underneath the weight of sin. And so I'm thinking I'm supposed to be getting better at things by the grace of God, by the grace of God, um, not worse. But, but I've got to tell you, in this area, I like got on a slide and went into the pool. And uh, so uh, the Lord is bringing me back, and I've had many work and help with me. And so some of that I'm sharing uh, this evening as I myself desire uh, to walk in this victory. So God knows that we are going to be tempted um, to be anxious, that that there are things out there that are just flat-out scary. Somebody said, if you're not afraid of something, you're just not paying attention. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a tough, difficult uh, world out there. Somebody said historians will probably call this error the age of anxiety. For me, um, one of the things that I know that has made me anxious is, uh, 
if you go back to the what if um, picture, I've recognized and had to acknowledge the fact that I had to take off my T-shirt. I've given you that testimony before, that without ever realizing, underneath this shirt, I had a T-shirt. And on that T-shirt, it said, General Manager of the Universe. And for some reason, I felt like it was my job to solve everybody else's problems, including my own. And, um, and of course, whenever we take on that role as a parent, a grandparent, a pastor, a, a neighbor, I don't care what it is, we're going to be full of worry and fear and anxiety because that's not what God's called us to do. That's his job. He, he's called us to do is to, is to walk by faith and not by sight. And in doing that, uh, we're going to have to battle this, um, this whole area. Um, let me just say, anxiety and worry and fear, they're contagious. They're like a virus. And, and so I'm sharing this with you tonight to say that you need a continuous inoculation. Uh, I mean, you can get this quickly, and, and you can get it. You may not have it now, but you, you can wake up in the morning with it and, and need to understand uh, those principles. So... Um, we need to be able to walk in victory and help each other because not only can you get it easily, but it's very contagious. You get one person in a group that's full of fear, and it won't be long before that one person, um, if that group's not strong, turns that whole group into a fearful group. Um, perhaps you've seen it in some groups uh, where you are. We need to be the people of God that in that situation, we turn, we turn that around because of the songs we sang tonight, because of our great God, because our hope is anchored in Him, because we're not concerned about the future. Pastor Farrell is starting that wonderful series in Revelation. We already know the future, and so there isn't anything to fear, but we still battle that day-to-day here. Well, I want to give us some encouragement that God knows that we're going to face this battle. He, he assumes that we're going to have um, that temptation to anxiety. You remember from the other men as they've come here, and so so well laid out for you, the tenets, that that one of the important things to know is that those initial thoughts or feelings that we have are not sin. We all have those things. When it becomes sin is when we act upon them in a sinful way, in an unbelieving way, rather than than acting in truth and, and doing the right thing. And so... Uh, you can see by just the few of the scriptures I've put up there that, that, the, uh, that the Lord assumes that we are going to have these battles, we're going to have these feelings, these emotions, and yet we know we're not to be a people that walk by feelings, we're a people to walk by faith, and there's a huge difference. And so we see that in First Peter, cast all your anxieties. Uh, in your translation, translation it may say care, but that word care means anxieties. Cast all your anxieties. It means you already have them. What, the important thing is, what do you do? Do you let them eat you up? What do you do with them? Well, you take those anxieties and you cast them on him because he cares for you. Uh, the psalmist said, when I am afraid, that fear comes. When that fear comes to you, you really are experiencing that emotion, then I put my trust in thee. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, I mean, I actually have these verses. I think I showed this to you perhaps about a year ago, but I have my planner. Yes, I'm an old-fashioned guy. It's paper. But on the cover of my paper are all these verses to remind me as I think about the day that the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight me. And so there is the right thing and the right way to respond 
to all of these um, anxieties uh, that we face. It assumes in the Word of God you'll have these tests, and God's Word gives you a way to handle it. When my heart is overwhelmed, you ever feel overwhelmed? And that overwhelmed feeling is feeling like you're sinking and you're afraid nobody's going to throw you that life preserver? We all have that. And when my heart is overwhelmed, the psalmist says, lead me to a rock that is higher than me. I'm assuming that many of you have from time to time visited the um, Desiring God website. Um, Dr. Piper has written and uh, taught, I should say, an amazing series. I think it was in 2009, a series of about six messages uh, on this topic. And uh, I, have, I have eaten them. Um, they uh, are as amazing as, as Dr. MacArthur's uh, book. One of the illustrations that he gave that um, I certainly won't be able to recite uh, exactly, but it was so helpful to me. So this is the Larry Brody translation of what he said. is uh, He said that so often we find ourselves going down the highway of life. And as we drive down the highway of life, in the sunshine of our faith, we're cruising along and everything is just wonderful. We don't seem to have a care in the world. And then all of a sudden we, we, we enter into one of those tremendous storms with no warning at all and, and a vehicle goes by us and it splashes our windshield full of mud. And all of a sudden we've lost our faith, we've lost our vision, we can't see and we're full of fear and what are we going to do? And, and John says that is exactly what happens to the believer and what you do at that point is you turn on the windshield wipers and you spray the Word of God. You spray the Word of life. You clean that windshield wiper off so that your vision clears up again and you can see God in all of His glory and you can keep driving through the storm. That, that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about putting off fear and putting on faith and the practical way that we do that. So let me give you just a, um, a few reminders of putting off this fear. What does it mean to put off fear, worry, and anxiety? Again, using all three of those uh, words uh, together. First, I would just remind us all that fear is not from the Lord. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. God has given us the indwelling Holy Spirit. His power resides in us, and we've been saved by the power of the gospel. We have that power available to us. Even in our weakness, Paul said, his strength can be made perfect when I'm abiding in Christ. And so when I, when I sense that, that that fear comes, I need to remind myself that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And so that feeling, that emotion, isn't coming from God. And, and that's, that's important that we identify quickly. Secondly, I want to remind you that fear is one of the deceptions that Satan uses. And it's a deception that can actually grip you. And, and it can be on your soul like a scratch on an old record. And every time it hits a thing, it scratches and scratches. And did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? You know, you, are most of you old enough to know what I'm talking about? And, and, and when that happens, you can actually, that, that fear can actually put you in bondage. You're, you're paralyzed. You can't, you can't think. And, and you have uh, forgotten the truths in Romans 8 
that there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You have forgotten that if God be for you, who can be against you? You have forgotten that nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and you have forgotten that you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear. You're, you're, no, longer, you're no longer to be living in that fear In fact, you have been born again. You've been adopted into the family of God. And because you have been adopted, you have a heavenly Father. And you can cry, Abba, Father! And He hears you. And He answers you and He'll deliver you from all your fears. That's the response to fear. It's not to yield to it. Thirdly, I would remind you that fear's design is deception to keep us from maturing in God's love. You see, when, when I find myself constantly afraid and responding wrongly to that fear by, by pulling back or not moving forward, but whatever it is, I, I really am weak on understanding how much God loves me. We've seen as we've gone through these, though I, I haven't mentioned them, there's, there's the fear versus truth, and now there's the fear versus love. The more I know God, the more I know him, the more I'll understand the depth of his love. And the more I understand the depth of his love, the more I'll feel secure in that. And the things of this world will not be able to shake the foundation that I stand on. And so that's why it is the understanding the person and the nature, the work of Christ and the worth of Christ and how he gave himself for us and that love actually secures us to not fall to the deception And we're able to put that off. We remind ourselves, when I am afraid, God loves me. And what does that love mean? That's not just a little little song for VBS. That that means he loves me just like I love my children and my grandchildren. You try to mess with my children and my grandchildren, you're going to have to answer to me. And when somebody tries to mess with us, we've got a heavenly father that's a whole lot bigger and a whole lot better than this father that will care for us. And we must tell ourselves the truth and put off the unbelief. And so, when we think about fear, we've got to come down to this point. And uh, we have to switch. We, we, we have to make up our mind that we're going to switch from fear to faith. We're going to switch from believing the lie to believing the truth. We're going to switch from fear to trusting in the love of God. And, and, and in all of that, I'm afraid that as a church, and individually as a people, this is what, um, I forget the guy's name, um, it doesn't matter, but he wrote the book Acceptable Sins. And, and this is very much an acceptable sin in the church. It's like, you know, it's, it's not okay to commit adultery. It's not okay to steal and rob banks. And it's not okay uh, abortion and murder. But if, if just a little bit of anxiety and worry and fear that keeps us from doing the will of God, that's no big deal. No, my friends, it is a big deal. It's a very big deal because it's sin. And, and God makes that very clear um, I've just given you three um, uh, points there to use the different words, but we're told not to be anxious in Luke 12:29, and in Philippians 4:6 we're told not to worry. In that section in Matthew, um, in just like nine verses, he repeats it um, three times and uh, implies it three other times. This is Christ Himself in the Sermon on the Mount, and then. Um, he also says, do not fear. And in fact, I didn't go back and check them, but if you read several of the commentaries, they'll say that between the two testaments, there are commands 
to not fear more than there are the number of days in a year. That you, you could take a command not to fear for every day of the year. And so this is a topic that we know man has faced um, continuously since the fall. And, and we know there's a faithful God who's given a word about fear. Do not fear. But we must respond right or we have sinned. And it's important that we distinguish that. So, what are some reminders of what the expected results will be when we switch from unbelief to believing God's promises? Well, the, that's the motivation. What, what's the motivation for doing the last few things we're going to look at? The motivation is, I want to experience peace. Don't you want to experience peace? I mean, have you watched any of the Voice of the Martyrs, any of the videos of what's going on in places like Syria? I mean, I look at that and I see people not denying their Savior and I'm stunned at the grace of God in their life. And yet, that's been through down through the centuries, hasn't it? It's been true that, that, that God gives that kind of grace and what you see in all those people, you, you never one time see people that are cowering in fear. Uh, what you see is an unexplainable tranquility of soul, the peace of God that passes all understanding and what has to be the most difficult circumstance that any human being would face. Now, now I dare say none of us have ever faced anything even remotely compared to that. And, and that same peace is available to all of us if we'll apply it properly. And so just some reminders of that peace. Peace should be the hallmark of a believer's life. That should be our testimony. Uh, just honestly, out in the highways and the byways, when everything goes wrong, the believer ought to be walking in peace. He shouldn't be wringing his hands. Uh, the, the believer should be the one that has the cool and the calm head and whose confidence is in Christ. And it's, it's noticeable that his response is completely different than the world around him. When we're talking about peace, I don't have time to do the entire thing tonight. That would be several messages, but God's peace encompasses peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, if you've not been reconciled back to Him through the blood of Christ, if you've not been saved from your sin, if you don't have peace with Him, then you're not going to have His peace that's going to pass all understanding. And there's no way in the world you're going to have the spiritual power to then live live at peace with others. But all three of those are encompassed in this entire topic. We're focusing almost primarily tonight on the peace of God. Helps in understanding the peace of God. Uh, Really, I just, for the sake of time, need to fly through this. I think this is all obvious, but I want to remind us because I think it's important. Peace can only be given by... The Prince of Peace. For unto you a child is born, for unto you a son is given, and he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Not only is he the Prince of Peace, but if you go to 2 Thessalonians 3.16, you'll see he's the Lord of Peace. And so as children, as as his disciples, we can walk in that peace. 
It's not something we can manufacture. It's not something we come up with. Peace is a gift, and it's given by Christ. It's a special legacy to his beloved people. It's a gift he's given to us. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. These things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world you'll have trouble. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Peace is the result of our justification and right standing before God. We, we recognize we will never be condemned again for our sins. So we have that freedom in, in grace that causes us always to be able to cry out, Abba, Father, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Peace is tranquility of soul that finds its rest in the shepherd king. We, we turn to John um, 10 and so many other passages and I think it's Psalm 23. And this is our shepherd king. He, he loves us. He cares for us. He cares for his sheep. And it's that kind of peace that um, we are to enjoy. Peace is a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. Again, it's not something that's worked up. It's as we abide in Christ and as we put on the truth and stop believing the lies, then the apple tree doesn't and out comes an apple. And we don't have to and out comes peace. No, we abide in Christ. We walk in the truth. Every time we see that there's these things coming into our life that tempt us, we put them off. We put off unbelief. We put on belief. We walk in the truth, and the Spirit of God over time produces that beautiful fruit. He wants to produce that in our life. Joy and love and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness. He wants us to be the people of God, and peace is one of those primary things. And, and just like I said, fear is contagious. Um, peace is contagious. And peace begets peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. And so we see that. So in conclusion tonight, I want to talk about some practical disciplines for putting on peace. And I'd like you to join me, if you would, in Philippians chapter 4. Several places we could have gone in the Scriptures, and I want to tell you I was torn back and forth um, between uh, Isaiah and Matthew 6, but um, honestly, I think this is, at least for me, it's the simplest. It's, it's, it's the clearest. It's, it's the most concise, and for me, over time, it has proven to be the more, most helpful. So I want you to see that. We're going to look primarily at um, verses 6 through 9, but I want to read um, these passages um, to you. I want to remind you that Philippians is a letter that was born out of trouble. And, uh, and it's a prison epistle. 
We can look at Acts 16, and, and you remember the Philippian jailer, and you remember that whole scene with Paul and Silas being beaten and then putting in the inner prison and in the stocks, and at midnight they sang and, and gave praises. Obviously they were at peace, and, and everybody heard them, and the jail opened, and, and the Philippian jailer was saved and wanted to know, um, you know, what can I do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And the same night, he was baptized, him and his family, and a church was born there. That was this church. And, and Paul pastored this church for a while, and he's writing back to this church. And as he writes back to this church, he's in prison again. And yet, when you look at, 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 this, um, at this letter, uh, this letter is just a, um, a beautiful letter of the theme of growing in Christ-likeness with, all the way through it, this joyfulness. Many have said its theme is joy. Well, I think maybe its theme is Christ-likeness, but part of being Christ-likeness is you're full of joy. You're full of the fruit of the Spirit. When you're full of joy, obviously you're enjoying the peace of God and you're enjoying contentment. And uh, we see that and we're in chapter 4. If you uh, look at chapter 4, um, you'll, you'll see that very practically Paul is telling the church because he wants them to experience peace. Now, why do I say that? Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. That's what he's going to anchor this in. He, he's saying there's a whole bunch of things to pursue, and as you pursue them, you're going to have the peace of God. Uh, look down in verse 9, and he's going to, wrap this thing up and he's going to say, and the God of peace will be with you. I, I, would, I would say to you that if I have the peace of God that passes all understanding and I have that confidence that the Lord of peace, the God of peace, the Prince of peace, I have his favor and he's with me. I can face anything in this life and be at peace. Amen? And that's, that's what I want. And so uh, this, is, this is sort of like a little list. I like to look at Scripture as a list oftentimes, and as a list of things, ways to think and things to do here. And, and look what he's saying to the church. We won't, we won't get into all of them, but he says, I implore you, uh, Odia, and I implore you, Syntyche, uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord, and I urge you also, true companion, help those women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. And we see right there, he's saying, pursue a unity. And look, this is a church's job. Uh, these women needed some help because there was division, and we want you to pursue unity. Well, obviously there's no peace. Obviously there's anxiety and trouble and worry. And, and he, he's saying to the church, grab a hold of this thing. As a church, we grab a hold of it whenever there's any lack of disunity and we help people find unity. Why? Because all of us have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We're all children of the King. And so there's, it's, it's sinful for us not to be of the same mind. And Paul is saying that. He's saying pursue unity if you want to be at peace. And then look what he says in verse 4. He says pursue joy. Yes, joy is a fruit of the Spirit on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's a disposition of a heart. It's, it, it's one of those ways that we look at life and, and, 
We look at life gratefully and thankfully. And he says here, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He has the idea. Make up your mind ahead of time. Get up in the morning and make up your mind no matter what happens today. God is sovereign. God's on the throne. I'm his. Heaven's coming and everything's going to be all right. Amen? I mean, honestly, that is the way the believer should walk out into his or her day. So you pursue unity and you pursue joy and Look what he says next. He says, let your gentleness or your graciousness be known to all men. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Nobody needs to be uppity. Nobody needs to be... You know when you get fearful, when you get worried, you, you end up running to an extreme and, and holding your, your place and, and, and you, start getting, um, you start getting protective and you become anything except gentle. You become mean. You become crass. Uh, you, be, you become dogmatic. And, and, and Paul is saying here, pursue unity and, and pursue joy. And, and as you do that, pursue that gentle graciousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that is what makes for peace. And he goes next and he, and he says, pursue prayer. He says, be anxious for nothing. There's our topic for tonight. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so he, he says there, pursue prayer. And it's, it's always prayer. It's praying about everything, as we'll see, and it's praying thankfully. And then look at verse 8. We see, pursue pure thoughts, think, thinking right. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So how we think is of vital importance, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And then he says, pursue accountability. You say, well, Pastor Brody, how do I get that? Look at verse 9. I attest to you that verse 9 is actually a practical application of all the one another's of Scripture. Uh, Verse 9 is exactly what we should be doing as a church. It's what ought to be happening in our fellowship groups. Verse 9, look at verse 9. These things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And when you do it, the peace of God will will be with you. And so we're going to look at these and we're going to begin with praying right. So now's when you might want to take a few notes. Praying right, Philippians 4, 6, 4, 6, and 7. We'll look right at the moment mainly at 6. But you need to unplug from the world and your work. You aren't going to pray in the, in the sense of praying about everything, in the sense of praying always, if you're consumed with the world. And one of the, uh, one of the great blessings of the Internet age is constant communication Constant information. Um, I mean, I, I said tonight, um, I'm sure you've been to the Desiring God website. Um, uh, there's, there's so many ways that technology is a blessing, but I want to tell you there's so many ways it's a curse. And, and we are more plugged into our smartphones, our iPads, our iPods, and our laptops than we are to the God of all creation. Uh, the God who hears and answers prayer, uh, the God who has made 
his throne room available to us that we might enter in and we might receive grace to help in time of need. And, and, and that God wants us there um, dependent on him because he's a loving Heavenly Father and he wants to pour things out, but I fear we don't unplug. I, I was very guilty of that. I've had to learn to unplug several times a day. Um, I, I've confessed this before. I, I've been in prayer and um, gotten a text or an email or a phone call and, and stopped praying and answered the phone and took care of that. And I never thought anything about it. I, I was doing that over and over again. never thought anything about it. matter of fact, if you would have told me, if you would watched me do it and you would have said something to me, I would have said, hey, I'm just doing what I'm called to do. God's called me to do this. God's called me to shepherd the people of God. And there's six or 700 of you, and if you take all your friends and relatives, that gets to 1,100. And with this wonderful day of communication, whether it's me or Pastor Farrell or Pastor Nate or Pastor Stephen or Pastor Adam, it doesn't matter. You have 100% acts to us now. I mean, you can get a hold of us instantaneously. And somehow, in my crazy brain, I thought that it was my responsibility to always be available to you. And then I recognized, no, my, my responsibility is to always be under the Lordship of Christ and available to Him. And that meant there were going to have to be some times I was going to have to unhook and unplug. Now, I'm preaching this in front of all my family, and they're taking notes on this to remind me of this because I need the reminder. I don't know if you do or not. Notice the text. It says, but in everything by prayer. Prayer isn't the last thing. It isn't, it isn't the last resort. No, it's, it's, it's the first resort. We, we pray about everything. Um, it says in 1 Thessalonians, we pray without ceasing. We're, we go through the day in an attitude of prayer. And as we're, we're praying, we're... We're giving thanks for whatever's going on, whatever's happening, the pressure I'm feeling, the, the, the temptation to be afraid. The first thing I have to recognize, there's a God over all of it. Um, there should be a longing in our heart like we could see pictured in Job when, when Job lost everything. And he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord in all these things. Job did not sin with his lips. And... and that should be the heart of a believer, living in that complete peace, uh, no matter what happens. But that means we're going to have to pray about everything, recognizing in his sovereignty he is allowing this to unfold. So if that's the case, we're going to have to take that model prayer. And, and over and over again, we're going to have to say, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of things are going on or will go on that we don't want to go on. Yes, am I there with you? I, I don't want that to happen. No, I don't want to do that. Uh, no, that makes me angry or that makes me afraid. And is that resonating? Do you have, you have those things happen? I, but the, the model prayer says Jesus is, is Lord, our Father who art in heaven. Uh, that encompasses everything. The worth and the work of Christ is in that name. He wouldn't be my Father if first I hadn't been saved through the gospel and the work of His Son. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so part of our praying right is to understand we're not sitting here commanding things down. If you want to get sick, watch some of that junk on TV where there's some nitwit praying and ordering God what he has to do. I, I can't even imagine. Let me tell you something. He's the creator and we are not. He ain't got to do anything other than what he's committed himself to in this word. 
and, and so we don't come like word of the king and he's the clay. No, he's the potter and we're the clay. And so we come. We come thankfully. We come about everything. We come, thy will be done, not my will be done. We, we come giving thanksgiving. Why, why do we come in thanksgiving? Because we know. What do we know as believers? We don't know why this is happening. We don't know how it's going to end in the interim, but we do know how it's going to end in the long term, don't we? Don't we know how it's going to end in the long term? Yes. It's going to be turned for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purposes. That's rock solid. And, and that's right praying. So uh, we, we pray right and we, we cast everything upon Him because He cares for you. So that's a practical discipline that we have to begin with if we want to experience the peace of God. We, we worry about nothing, but we pray about everything. Secondly, we've got to think right. Right thinking, 4.8, gives you a whole list. I'm not going to go back through um, and read that again, but it would be good. Uh, MacArthur's book, takes every single one of those words and exhausts those words, what those words mean. It's a, it's a worthy study. And then you, you start to memorize that and then you, you filter your thinking um, through that. Because if we want to be the people of God who experience the peace of God, we, we have to pray right, but we also have to, we have to think right. So that means we're going to have to reject wrong thoughts. Um, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. There, there is a, a warfare that goes on. There's a, I become afraid, I think of that thing, and I have to, I have to cast that off. I might die. I mean, have you ever been afraid of that because of some particular thing that's happened to you, all of a sudden you're thinking, I might die? That bothers me. You know how much. I mean, I've got a long history here. You know how much I like blood. You know how much I like, you know, my heart beating fast or any of that stuff. I like it zero. And so the first thing that comes to my mind is, you might die. And then I have to tell myself the truth. What are you talking about, might? I am going to die. And when I do, I know exactly where I'm going. That's switch. That's switch. You put off the, the lie and you, you put on the truth. And I'm His. I'm hidden in Christ and Christ in God. And He's gone to prepare a place for me. And someday I am going home. And when I do, why would I want to stay here? So why am I afraid? But it's a battle, isn't it? It's easier to stand up here to preach it than it is to live it down there when you just cut yourself or you're, you're holding somebody else's wound or, or whatever the thing is. You just, you just got the, the bad word from the doctor. And so we've got to reject wrong thoughts. Um, I've got a good friend. His name is Rufus Givens. Uh, I love Rufus. And uh, one of the things that Rufus coined for me years and years ago was we've got to get rid of stinking thinking. And, and we do. And, and that comes from every direction. And... And the screen of Philippians 4.8 will help do that. And as we get rid of that stinking thinking, the, the peace of God will start to come in. Uh, we have to replace the wrong thoughts with true thoughts. 
Listen, we've got to run away from negative influences. I'm going to go back to media again. Honestly, I'm very, very grateful for my wife for a thousand reasons. But one is because she doesn't like the news on. I happen to be a news junkie. And so just having her in my home helps me to balance that. How many people here recently, at least one time, have watched one of the world news beginnings? Have you watched any of that? I mean, are you, or don't, maybe you don't want to raise your hand and admit to that. World news tonight. The world is coming to an end in these seven ways, and then they list them for you, right? Every single night it's the same. There's calamity here. Um, this is on fire. This is blowing up. There, there, you know, there's a, a murder on the loose here. I mean, you listen to the world news. If you're a news junkie, you're going to be full of fear before long. But there just isn't any, any way around it. That, that's a negative influence. It's, it's geared. Uh, there's, there's an attraction to it actually bringing you back. You, you need to break free from that. And so um, we need to run away from negative influences. Maybe that's a person. Uh, maybe, maybe that's somebody that you need to stop up short. And maybe you need to preach this message to him. Maybe you look, need to look at him and smile and say, Brother, put a hand on the shoulder and say, I love you. And here's what I'd like you to do. Memorize Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice always. And again I say rejoice. I'm tired about hearing how the glass is almost out of water. I want some people to tell me how um, God's got all the water that there is in the whole world. And when he wants to, he'll fill the glass. Amen? Ah, oh, you know. You don't seem like you're buying into that. I believe that. I believe that. He's got springs of living water that never run dry. It'll help you to think right if you use soul-calming, faith-building music. There's, there's nothing like music. You can memorize so great with music. That's why the uh, psalmist, um, why the psalm book, the Hebrew psalm book was written. So often they memorized those. Why we sing so many of those right from the scriptures here. But um, taking those um, songs, particularly if you're battling fear, but whatever your battle is, whatever your switch topic is, go find yourself some music and learn those songs, write those songs, sing those songs, and in your time of worship, do that over and over again. Do that with your children. Do that as a family. And and then um, when you are afraid... Um, Whenever I am afraid, you can tell I don't sing, I will trust in you. Woo, woo, woo. No, that's not that. <clears throat> but we pray right, we, we, we think right, and that think right is saturating ourselves in the right way with the truth of the Word of God. And then third, I'm going to say right one anothering or practice. Some would say discipleship. I, I would agree with that. But at the end of the day, Practice what has been preached with each other. Here's why a church can be a mile wide and an inch deep. Why you can have a switch series and it doesn't do anything. It's not because the Word of God isn't quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, but, it, but it's because we don't take what we've heard and then get together with our accountability partners, get together with our small groups, get together with our fellowship groups and then begin to talk with each other about this truth, 
how this truth impacts me, what it is that I need to put off, what it is I need to put on. I mean, we need to open up to each other and be honest with each other. I put a a quote there, victories attained by right thought can only be maintained by watchfulness. I mean, we, we quickly slip back downhill. In, in a church, we need to have good examples. People do what they continually see. People practice. They do what they continually practice. People change by developing those correct thought patterns, by learning how to take off and put on. And, and, and they need accountability partners. They need somebody that they can talk to and, and say, I'm really struggling, pray for me. And so then that person helps them. Okay, now, now put that off. This is, this is the lie you're believing, and here's, here's the truth. And then maybe that person prays for them, prays that truth, helps them, reads that scripture to them, sings that song to them, uh, you know, wh- whatever, uh, whatever it is. People need loving accountability and continuous modeling of Christian disciplines. That is one of the primary purposes of our fellowships group. It's not just to get together and eat lunch. And there's nothing wrong with getting together and eat lunch. It's not just getting together and studying the Bible. And we all know there's nothing wrong with getting together and studying the Bible. But it's taking those truths then and being honest with one another. How do I put on the truth and take off the lie? Do you get that? Do you see what I'm talking about? That's how truth takes and replaces the unbelief in our life, and then we grow in grace. So what are some of the obvious implications? We, we confess our faults one with another. I mean, it's, it's an application from James 5, and in James 5 it's talking about calling the elders, but still is, in that sense, one of the things that you're, they're doing when somebody wants a healing, and no doubt there is talking primarily a, a physical healing, but still, if you need to be healed from from worry and anxiety and fear, then there's a sense of, I'm going to call somebody, some people around me that are a little bit (coughs) further ahead than me in this area. And I'm going to call them around me. And I'm going to confess my faults. Confession brings grace. It's humility. It brings the grace of God into my life. (coughs) We're almost done because I'm almost done. Excuse me. So we, we confess our faults one to another. We, we renew our mind together. All the same things all the other men have given you. We, we saturate our souls with the Word of God by studying and listening to preaching and music and reading. We listen to the truths through others, allowing them to be channels of grace to us. Uh, over and over again, we, we do that. We practice that. That's what our, our Iron Men's groups do. That's, <clears throat> that's what our, our new Fellowship groups will be doing our new small groups when we start them. That's what our current um, small groups uh, are doing. Honestly, I don't go to the ladies' Bible studies, but I'm sure that's what our ladies' Bible studies are, are, are doing. Uh, we're taking and we're speaking truths one to another. Uh, I go back to the reminder that if you want to prosper and have good success um, in any area, then I need to meditate day and night. And I, and I take the area that I'm battling, the area I'm weak, the besetting sins, and I go get myself a partner, and I get myself some scripture, and I begin to pray to God and confess my weakness, and I begin to um, take every single time a wrong thought comes in, and I bring it captive, and I identify what it is, and then I, I take and I 
I claim those, those truths and I begin to think right and I call that accountability partner and I ask them to pray for me and, and as I begin to do that, I start walking in victory and, and I start seeing that, that uh, growth occur and I start rejoicing in the Lord and I understand then after a while why Paul would say, Rejoice! And again I say, Rejoice! So, wow, a lot, I know. I, got, I had so many verses, I couldn't not talk on this subject without these two. Perhaps my favorite peace verse in the whole world is found in Isaiah. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yahweh, the Lord is everlasting strength. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of thy righteousness. I can look at that verse and say, because of that conclusion, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to worry. It's, it's all packed in one verse, everything that I've talked about tonight. Why don't I have to? Because he says, I am your God. I'm over you. I'm the sovereign, almighty God of the universe that's over you. <clears throat> and I'm your God that's with you. I'm by your side. I'm your helper. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am your God who will strengthen you through the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside. The weaker you are, the better off you are when you understand it and acknowledge it, and His strength will be made perfect in you. I am your God, and I will help you all around you from wherever the enemy comes. We have that promise, and when we will switch from fear and put that promise on, it will revolutionize our walk with Christ. And we know there's a future coming when he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things are passed away. So, are you experiencing peace? Do you need to switch? David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. I trust tonight that um, you'll acknowledge this need if you have it. You'll, you'll find some help. You'll put these things into practice that we might be the people of God that experience the peace of God for the glory of God.